Welcome to Not the Only Kids in the Hall podcast, a podcast where we watch episodes of Kids in the Hall with our friends. And I say, when I say our, I'm referring to myself, Nick, <laughs> and my two friends, Jared Emick and Ame Lutkin. How are you guys? How are you two doing, Jared and Ame? I'm good. I'm glad we're, to see you both. We're good. Same here, Nick. I'm 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 proud to be called your friend. Uh, the feeling is mutual, and uh, I can't wait to talk uh, Kids in the Hall. I'm very excited. This is a, this was a. I guess okay episode. I don't know how I felt about this one. <laughs> okay, no spoilers. Huh? No spoilers. No, spo- no spoilers. Uh, well, let's bring in our our guest. Uh, he's a comedian from the New York City area, Alex French. Alex, thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, glad to be here. Um, I wish I had told you um, to introduce me as friend now. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> that would have been stepping over a boundary. I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little invasive. Yeah. It's been yeah. I, it's been uh, probably years since I've seen you, Alex. Right? Yeah. I can't remember the last time I saw you. Gosh, I know. It might have been recording a different podcast <laughs> with, with Jared. Yes, I think it was because we were going to do that podcast like literally right before the pandemic started, where I was going to oh, return right. some pajama pants to Macy's. <laughs> that's right. Yes. That's right. Yes. Yes, we had a podcast that was about doing stuff you didn't want to do, basically. And I guess this one was returning pants. <laughs> An episode about returning pants. I mean, only slightly more stupid than this podcast, which is an episode yeah. by episode breakdown of a '90s sketch show. Um, we, and we were gonna go. We were gonna go. Yeah. We were going to go return the pants with you, right? We were going to Yeah, go we were to all going to go you. together. You know, the silver lining of this whole thing, the pandemic, I mean, is that I kept the pants and I wear them now. Oh, that wow. is That's nice. That's cool. almost worth it in a way, if you think about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cause it's hard to get a good pair, you know. It's true. Yeah. I hate ordering stuff online and having to return it. I've been going through this, like, epic journey trying to return a pair of boots. It's, like, virtually impossible. It's so hard. Because you, you got to get it, you take it to the UPS store, you got to create your own packaging. Is that the deal? Or Yeah, all that stuff. You got to print out the tag and communicate. Mm. I don't know. I'm just Who I has am, a like, printer? Yeah, exactly. Who like a they they expect you out of a printer. Like it's insane when people expect you out of a printer. Nobody has a printer. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> no, I mean I'm. What kind of, like, like like who has a printer? Yeah, do you, you got to go to the what? library. Um, That's what I do now. Yeah. I go to the library. You two go to the library. Like to print the stuff? like a real library. Well, yeah. yeah, that is the way you can do it. I mean, I didn't want to say it, but I do actually have a printer, so I don't oh do God. that. Wow, but I know you, really you can. Made Alex feel alienated. <laughs> <laughs> haven't seen him in a few years. Didn't call him a friend, and now he's a jerk with a printer. There it is. Wow, yeah. there it is. There it is. I had a print I, when I lived in New York City. I did have a printer. Actually, I got rid of it when I when I moved across the country. So, yeah, I, I guess yeah, I guess I would have a printer if I hadn't moved. So. Fair enough. I'm also a psycho, a printer psycho. Uh, talk about Alex, a backtrack. We... Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Half hour railing on printers. Now he loves them. All right. Keep going, Nick. <laughs> good. That's a good summary. Alex, we, we know you from, from doing improv uh, at, at UCB Theater. Uh, one of my favorite improvisers to watch. Always so oh. fun and joyful. Here, here. Co sign. Thank yeah, you. I agree. Also, Alex yes. was our coach for many years, I think. That's right. That's yes, right. it's true. 
Oh my gosh. And I know I've told some of you this before, but I think really you were my favorite group to coach. I mean, I really think I laughed the most coaching the three of you. I'm Aww, getting worried. That's, 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 something, that's something people just feel like they need to say because I, I feel like uh, some of our other coaches have said that, but maybe we're just that good. <laughs> other coaches. Ooh, yeah, what other coaches said that? <laughs> I, think, I think at one point um, what uh, uh, Jonna said that, I think. Right, Nick? Whoa. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. That's nice. I think, I think Jonna has told us that before. Oh, um, gosh, I mean, <laughs> we're very good. <laughs> I really you can think... tell by listening. We're just yes, a laugh You guys riot. were just so joyful, actually. And it was so mm. clear that the three of you were like good friends that I felt like you were just cracking each other up at everything and it was like even i mean it was usually very very funny but even when it wasn't like the funniest (laughs) thing it was still funny just because you were finding it funny i totally if that makes sense in terms of like you know sensing when improvisers are friends and 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 comedians in general and i think it's a good you know if we wanted to nick transition into kids you really kind of feel like when people like each other outside of what they're doing, it reflects in what they're doing and it enhances it tenfold. And I feel like, like I don't know as much about the interpersonal relationships in Kids of the Hall as you do, but I get the sense that the ones who liked each other worked together the most, right? I mean, they split off into pairings and I don't know. It seems to me yeah. like that paid off. I mean, yeah, the, the kind of split was Bruce and, and Kevin. I'm not, Bruce and Mark and Bruce. Bruce McCullough and Mark McKinney, who in this first sketch we're going to watch, they play the cops. Uh, and then Kevin and Dave, who play Simon and Hecubus in a later sketch. And they kind of always paired off and did their own thing to some degree. Mm. Uh, and then Scott was kind of his own his own thing. But I think they also were all friends. I think they all probably made each other laugh. You know, that's the reason they, they performed together, you know? Right. The reason they stayed together. Yeah, I mean, we uh, all have, like, somebody who we hate who makes us laugh against our, <laughs> our better judgment. I mean, I definitely have some enemies who still, you know, oh, they ring a laugh out of me. <laughs> some, some comedy partners, Amay, or just people you you hate to, to love when you're watching them? People I hate to love, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a category of person. Um, but while ta- speaking of friendship and this sh- episode, I definitely did think about that during the Hecubus sketch with uh kevin mcdonald and dave foley like they look like they were having a lot more fun than usual <laughs> <laughs> yes. and i was uh i was listening to the uh the commentary for that sketch actually and originally mark mckinney played kevin's part so kevin wrote the sketch but mark mckinney played Ke- the role that kevin was in yeah. uh oh, and eventually kevin was just like well, i want to do this so yeah. he just took over the thing because it was you know it was his idea and it was he doing was well with dave yeah yeah, it really reminded me of the bass player sketch that they did, where Kevin's like that weirdo who is like really into the bass player. You love right. that sketch. Yeah. You love that <laughs> yeah, sketch. <laughs> okay. Well, so Alex, you've you've never watched an episode of Kids in the Hall before, right? Yeah, that's right. This was my first episode ever. Wow! wow. Congrats. Have you seen any? You must have like seen a sketch here or there. Or you must have. Yeah, must have. I know. I I feel like that too. I feel like I must have, but I honestly couldn't like tell you one. Like, there's not a famous one in my mind. No, that's how I was before the sh- we started doing this pod. I mean, I I Ooh. was, I knew the reference and I knew people like Nick loved it, but I just never really, Same. I don't know, dipped my people toe. People like Nick. <laughs> I mean, Alex, I think of you as an amazing performer and like actor, improviser and very funny, obviously, but I never really thought of you being super interested in sketch per se. Do you have like a fan favorite or anything? You know, I think growing up, I went through like a mad TV phase when I was probably in middle school. 
and then from that point on was just like very into SNL. And, you know, I think like so many people at UCB would just record every episode, like rewatch them a ton. Um, but yeah, I was like very, very big into SNL um, while it was happening. I wasn't so much of a like going back to stuff that I missed, whether it was like Kids in the Hall or Mr. Show or anything like that. Yeah. Who, who, what was your era of SNL that, that you got into? I think my favorite was like the end of the like Will Ferrell, Anna Gasteyer, Sherry O'Terry, Molly Shannon, beginning of like Chris Parnell, Jimmy Fallon, Fallon Horatio Sands. Tracy Morgan. Yeah. Yes, Tracy Morgan. Yeah, a little like end of Tim Meadows. Right, right. Yeah, Meadows was there forever. Yeah. Right? He was like, I think he was like one of the longer running guys there. Yeah. So he was he was there with Sandler too, right? Like he was so. That's so weird like, that they crossed over. Yeah. I guess Keenan's like crossed over with like what twenty years of, of cast members at this point. Yes. I mean he could be like some cast members' fathers at this point. <laughs> right. I always love that yeah. sketch of where Keenan is performing with Chris Farley, not on SNL, but on All That. I don't know if you guys have seen that mm-hmm. sketch. Oh. Where, where oh. Keenan is playing this character where I think he basically, he's a chef who just loves ketchup. That's essentially the game. And he just puts ketchup <laughs> on yeah. everything. And his, I guess he has a guest chef in this episode of the sketch and Farley comes on. And I think I, Farley, I don't know what it is. Pickles, mustard. He, he's got some sort of, you know, uh, you know, uh, opposite, uh, you know, tastes or whatever. And uh, they just go all out. I mean, it was it was kind of weird because it was towards that period of Farley's life where it was kind of, you know, coming to an end. And you could sense it just based off of how he looked and how he was talking. But he always brought it, even towards the latter half. And I don't know, if you haven't checked out this sketch where Keenan and, and Farley are talking about ketchup on all that, I highly recommend it. <laughs> well, hey, speaking like of... Sounds like a new podcast uh, idea. Uh-oh. Yeah, just that all sketch. that podcast? <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea. How many all that podcasts? We started this podcast because we thought there were no Kids in the Hall podcasts. A great Turns reason to start one. any artistic endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> Has someone done it? No? All right, let's do it. And also, I'm a huge fan of Kisnell. But uh, yeah, maybe we should be doing all But hey, let's forget about all that. Let's go. Let's take ourselves back to October 2nd, 1990, when season two, episode of two of Kids in the Hall first aired. Number one of the charts. Well, in the U.S., it was Nelson. <laughs> Nelson. With Can't Live Without Your Love and... I was going to say, is Nelson the song or the, or the band? But yeah. I, I never heard of Nelson. I'm sorry. Is that... Am I alone? No, I, three I, Nelson Nelson oh, okay. I thought when you said Nelson, it was maybe like shorthand for a famous person that everyone else knew. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. They were a pretty popular band, I think, in like 1990. They sounded like this. It does sound like a name. <laughs> like it's like Bob Nelson or something. Yeah. It's two guys. I think it's two, uh, two hunky, hunky blonde guys. Yeah. We got hmm. a picture up on the screen, though, man. <laughs> <laughs> Can you show me the hunks, Nick? Um, no, sorry, that's too no, much No, you work. can't show me the hunks? <laughs> oh. I'll have to imagine. DM me later. Yeah. Picture, like, a kind oh. of a thinner, two thinner Fabios. Whoa. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> okay. Two thin Fabios? Two for Hello. the price of one. <laughs> 
like the regular Fabio could carry both of them at the same time. Yeah. Oh, oh I'd love yeah, to see that. For sure. Fabio carrying wow. Like one on each shoulder. <laughs> Fabio uh, yeah. carrying two carrying smaller Fabios. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that's no, that was number one in the U.S. Number one in, in Canada, "Blaze of Glory" by, you guessed it, John Bon Jovi. Wow, that's interesting. Was this by Bon Jovi or John Bon Jovi? I have it on Spotify. So John oh, Bon played... is the solo version of Bon. Is that the idea? John Bon Jovi is solo. Bon Jovi is band. Or or. No. Yes, John okay. Bon Jovi is the man. Bon Jovi is the band. Got it. Uh, no. I think it is by the band, by the band Bon Jovi. You think people call him John Bon? <laughs> it's it's kind of like John John. You know how they refer to John F. Kennedy Jr. Sometimes yeah. they call Bon Jovi John oh, yeah. Bon. Yeah. I mean, it's well, only like that, and that it sounds sort of similar. It's the first thing that came to my head, but yeah, I'm I, in the I, zone. Yeah. Are you guys in the zone? Should we actually talk about this show? <laughs> yeah, let's. <do> <laughs> I think Amay thinks it's been too long uh, getting us in the in the mood for kids and all. Uh, also, number one in the movie charts, marked for that the Steven Seagal movie, which surprised me. But Nick, now we're let's in the talk zone about this enough. first sketch. <laughs> Didn't you hear? It's called Cops Colon O Canada, and uh, I guess let's just watch this whole thing since it's only thirty seconds or so. When uh, the bullets are in, it uh, definitely has a higher pitch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it does. They're blowing into their guns, I should say. Um, so you guys aren't familiar with this, but the cops are recurring characters. Really? They, this is their first. Know. They're probably the sketch. Yes. Their first appearance, and they're probably uh, the most common recurring characters in Kids and All. I would say, like they've, they, they're all over like every season after this. Uh, especially like the, the next couple of seasons. They're just, they, I think they're just easy to film and they uh, are good interstitial beats that they just, they'll put it like three or four in an in, in episode. Um, um, that's really interesting that this is the first one because one thought I had is I felt like the crowd started laughing like immediately when they <laughs> saw them in cop uniforms in a way that, you know, it really gave me that right. feeling like when you come out on stage and people are laughing before you've done anything and it's like, oh, this is going to be a good show. Yeah. Well, the, the, the audience is filled with their their friends and fans uh, from the Toronto comedy world. Uh, they kind of just packed the house every time they they uh, recorded an episode. And, and all these like film pieces, they would just show, you know, that same audience. Well, I also think uh, the cop pieces. uniforms in a comedy context usually kind of inspire a sense of like oh they're gonna lampoon police officers like here it comes i know what's coming the crazy cops i know about crazy cops you know like i feel like it's it was a little lighter and more fun to do that back in what was this 1990 you said nick or 91 or whatever um 90 you know that it seems like a trope that's easily identifiable i guess is what i'm trying to say is anyone else yeah. really expecting someone's head to get blown off in this sketch? I mean, I know they're recurring characters but yes. now, but I was like, why hasn't anyone shot in the face? Would have been funny. I mean, the bullets, to say the bullets thing, too, I did kind of expect maybe one of the guns to go off. Yeah. Um, it's a super, yeah. I love this idea, like, because I often, often have thought about the, like, the Western blowing into the muzzle of a gun and, and that, like, noise that it makes. I always think is so strange. Like, I don't understand even what where did that trope come from? Like, 
<laughs> what I, I've, not, I've never really gun, understood it. Smoke away. You blow, yeah. but do you but do you blow the smoke away and it makes a sound? I mean, I, I guess it I guess it does. Like, no, it just sounds like. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make a sound. <laughs> no, but I mean, in movies and TV, it does make a sound. It does make. It a sound. does. Well, what can you describe the sound it makes? Kind of like what they're doing here. Like it's like the. I mean, it's not multiple notes. They're not like you know playing instruments, but it's like. Uh, you know, when you like, uh, God, I can't do the sound, but like, yeah, yeah, like a pan flute. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. Like a pan flute. And like, that'll be like a dramatic, like he'll, someone will blow someone away and then blow like, it sounds like an owl is perched on my shoulders. I'm murdering someone, but you get what I'm trying to say. Um, anyway, I've never I like heard that, but okay. No, I, I think, yeah, I, I think it makes a noise, but it's just like a, like yeah, so you don't, you I guys watch Nick and I sketch. are on team <laughs> and just thought it was like, oh, like a weird idea to think about how a gun might make a noise if you blow on it. Like you didn't link that to the trope that's in movies and television when they blow the gun. I didn't really think about it, honestly. Oh, interesting. Me, me neither. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Actually. Okay. Okay. I think that I think that probably like it makes sense that that would be how they would uh, think of the sketch, think of the premise. But it, but I, I don't know that. Uh, right. But I definitely don't think when you blow <laughs> on a gun in a movie, it, it makes a musical note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no they're not playing music with the gun uh but i think it you know it's the same when like you rub your uh finger around like a wine glass like you know those like a, it goes, just, yeah. Yeah. yeah it goes ah, help me you go Whoa. well no jared i think i think What's the inspiration is combining yeah. that idea of blowing uh the smoke away from a gun with uh how like yeah, you blow into a, you go into a, a wine glass or a jug, you know, like that's right. <laughs> okay, but well, yeah, sure, right. The Alex, other... you ever fired a gun? No. Wow, this is like a this is like surprise interrogation. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, Alex, where you were you on the night of? Yeah, <laughs> yeah this could have been very dark if I had a story. Uh, do you know what? This is interesting. I think that I'm trying to think what the closest thing I ever have fired is. I don't even have a memory bow and arrow i feel like i yes definitely a bow and arrow i was trying to think if i fired like a bb gun mm. and i want to say yes but i don't have a specific memory oh, interesting. but why friend... were you firing a bow and arrow was it like yeah. a real one do you know what i did one of those things where you go like with friends and you fire at like a place that offers you like uh like an archery place oh, cool. oh. i thought so it was you were like adults. a survivalist thing <laughs> Yes. Yes, I assumed yeah, you I were on the run and you had to fight for your life. What? <laughs> yes, it was a pure leisure thing as an adult. Oh, nice. I fired I was thinking it was like a summer camp thing or something. Uh, Jay, fired uh, a gun. Real quick, Amay, I want, real quick, Amay, before we get to the, your gun story, Alex, <laughs> I think a good bit, a good bit if you're ever firing a bow and arrow again would be to blow on the bow after you shoot the arrow, like shoot the arrow and go... <laughs> Yeah, that's good. I like how Nick was like, wait, I got to get this joke in, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, well, I, I think it would have been even worse if I came back to it. But I mean, I, I, you I thought you were going to say do it like a little guitar string, too. Oh, yeah. We got a whole instrumentation on different weapons. <laughs> Sorry, you could have a band of weird noises. I want to hear a maze gun story because then yeah. I have a gun story. It's not really not a story. I went to a shooting sketch. range and I, sh- I shot a few guns and it was honestly really scary. It, you feel how powerful mm. they are and it's like, I, agree. I can't imagine firing this at anything alive. I could barely fire it at like a 
I don't know. But I was. That, that's also I, that's my gun story as well. I my, went to a shooting range and I thought it was scary, and I never wanted to do it again. Same but thing. Jared, what was your? It's essentially the same. I mean, I went to a gun range and it was really scary. Um, <laughs> it was in Nashville, and the one wrinkle to my story is that the guy said, "Just you know, be careful. Take one shot at a time." And and if you if you you know because if you hit the carrier, which is the, like the thing that's carrying the target back and forth, you know, if you if you hit that mechanism, we got to charge you a little bit because it's like you know. You you're not you just just keep your eye on the target. Don't be an asshole and shoot all over the place. I said, got it, no problem. You know, never fired a gun before, but I'll just act like an asshole and be cocky, which is what I did. And so I got a couple shots off, and I got so excited because, as a may, as you say, it's like this crazy kind of weird thrill once you actually do it. And I fired off like three or four, kind of like in a row, and. The guy, like, kind of, it was like that slow thing where you press a button and the target kind of comes closer to you, like, and it came up and he started counting. He said, one shot on the carrier, two shots on the carrier, three shots on the carrier. And then he kind of turned to me and he's like, maybe you ought to call it a day. Because I think I I might have totaled up around $200 in, in carrier shots. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, I don't know what happened. I must have been so excited that I just kind of like started kind of drifting up uh i should never hold a gun again did you think you were hitting the target as the shots were like going i didn't think i was missing by that much (laughs) i guess is what i'll say i don't know if i thought i was hitting it but i i was like okay that was fine right and they're like we're going to fine you (laughs) for being so bad at shooting um but uh yeah so you had to you had to pay you had to pay i had had to pay pay. yeah yeah i had to pay i mean i never did it again but uh but uh no i had to pay no there was no negotiating out of it i mean you know i'm just some jerk from the city shooting the guy's carrier i mean i had to pay up okay well speaking of jerks from the city let's watch a little bit from this next sketch called trapper Shall we go after him, Jacques? No, Francois. Let that one go. He has spirit. Someday he may be vice president. <laughs> so, I, that clip out of context, especially just the audio, must be so confusing. But uh, <laughs> Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald play French Canadian trappers uh, that r- drive a rowboat through an office and uh, trap businessmen to steal their suits and this one businessman got away and he had clearly cut off his leg i i really love this sketch it's so ridiculous this is i think this is an example of uh friends doing sketch comedy together i don't know what did you guys think of it yeah this felt very canadian to me too Mm. i mean which like obviously they are and it is but i was like oh yeah this feels very much like what i might expect and this is like a, a stereotype, or maybe not stereotype, but like a, an archetype that I don't think exists in America. These French Canadian, I guess, like beaver trappers that trap <laughs> beavers. Oh, is this? I was, I knew I must be missing some sort of reference as yeah. I was watching this. I just kind of thought like hunters, but I, I clearly by their outfits they were referencing something specific. Yeah, um, but. Uh, I got a little bit from the uh, biography here about this. Well, this is something that they used to do in theater sports back when they were doing like improv shows. Ooh. Dave Foley and uh, and, and they'd Kevin row a McDonald. boat across the stage. Yeah, it seems like I, a hard one maybe, to do live. Yeah, but apparently they would. Wow. Uh, and they they 
Yeah, that's about all that, that I got from the biography of Patton. No, that was good. I, I, was, like I have like two paragraphs here, and I was like, should I read this? No, it's nothing, nothing. I love the reveal at the end. I mean, I guess the game to me would be like suit hunting or like business. I was going to say businessman hunting, but at the end, it's kind of revealed to be suit hunting. And I love the. the well, but the, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is businessman hunting because they're hunting the businessman to get the suits the same way like you would hunt. <laughs> sure. You would trap an animal in order to get the pelt. Yeah, the you technicality, know, you're, you're not, I suppose. Nothing like. Right. Well, you're not saying like beaver. You're not hunting for beaver furs. You're hunting beavers. Yeah, yeah but you're, you're right. Have to you're kill right. Kill a Nick. man to get his suit. You know. <laughs> well, <laughs> you just take the suit. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely you're all right. Um, it is businessman hunting, but I love that reveal at the end of the suits. I thought it was uh, just well done and seemed kind of like a core element of the sketch that they waited to reveal till the end, which I thought was smart and really funny. Me too. That made me like the sketch a lot more. The re- like the fact that it, the reveal was at the end or just the reveal just made you like just, in context it kind of made it make sense yeah I, I think it just more contextualized what was happening and made it mm-hmm. seem less strange for strange sake <laughs> right right <laughs> I agree a, bit, man, a big of- part of Kids in the Hall is right. just making fun of businessmen that's so true. This was kind of a, of a piece of, of a lot of I stuff. was gonna but say yeah, I mean I, 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 there's just so many businessman sketches on this show <laughs> <laughs> it's almost now to the point of where it's like they're making fun of themselves that they hate businessmen so much. Now, do you think any of them had had, had, had jobs at this point, like where they were business people or worked in a business context? Well, we saw you know, a sketch semi-recently sure. where Bruce McCullough was going off about his bank job at the bank, but that had to be a character. I mean, he had to... I, I It's hard to tell, but they there's so much just contempt for the nine-to-five standard businessman. <laughs> That I know. Not everybody like gets to do like a sketch show with their five friends. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. There has to be some, I don't know, truth to some of that. I mean, but I really got to read that biography again because I know they talk about this, whether mm-hmm. or not they've had worked, like what jobs they had before they were on the kids in the hall. I, I yeah. definitely, they weren't like businessmen, but maybe they were like temps in a, yeah. in a job, in a, in a bank or something. I don't know. I mean, thumbs up or thumbs down for this. Um, I like the reveal at the end also. I, I was just kind of, I was thinking about cannibalism, maybe because I'm watching Yellow Jackets and all these like shows with horrible stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of there's like a big setup to this sketch. You know, they have this whole thing in the board meeting where they're waiting for somebody and he's not arriving to start the <laughs> meeting, and then you see him in a bear trap. So it goes in a lot of different directions. It's kind of like a long sketch. I this is like yes. I'm not even. I feel like we complain about the show's like datedness, but something I often notice is like who is seen in a violent way. And I was just like, wow, the woman's really going to be the first person we see bleeding on the ground. <laughs> like, I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> but then they cut off that guy's leg. So I was like, okay, that's fine then. <laughs> like for a like. Okay. Well, let's watch a little bit of our old friend, Cabbage Oh my Head. God. Oh, I was like, Jared's going to be so mad about this. <laughs> I'm this trying to keep my cool. I'm trying to keep my cool. I'm not a, I hate, Let's. I'm gonna keep my cool. This is a recurring character, if you can believe it, Alex. I really. <laughs> I wrote that down with a question mark. <laughs> You're like, what is this question? Mark? I felt like yes. There, there, there was a reaction to him when he was like revealed that yes, made me yes. feel like he was a recurring character. This show's recurring characters. I, I don't. Uh, it's not. 
embarrassing, I think is the wrong word, but there's something about how they get that recognition up front where it's almost worse than an SNL recurring character or another recurring character. They lean into, I think a lot of it is what you say, Nick, about the audience being, you know, filled with the, and stacked with, with their friends and audience members. I think that works against them a lot of the time. Not just inflated responses, but like <laughs> recurring characters. It's like... We should just be able to see the sketch and not have a standing ovation for fucking Cabbage Head just because he walks out there. I mean, I don't it's know. It's true. I'm... It really turns me <laughs> off. I mean, I don't know how normal that is, but it really turns me off when, like, a crowd really reacts to something, like, before I feel like anything has happened. Mm. That's it, how like, I feel about, yeah. like, watching certain improvisers who are famous. <laughs> Like, it sucks to go to an improv show and people are, like, fucking throwing their panties up there for, like, Tom Middleburg or something. You're just like, what? Do you know what else it happened? Yeah, who did you say? What's his name? I No, you said said some name, but we couldn't hear your name. The name you said. Oh, I was talking about Middleton. What's his first name? Middleton. 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 There you go. That shows how I feel about him. But it was, like, a very common thing, especially around DCM, where, like, people would just lose their absolute shit because someone on stage has been on a TV show, and you're just, like, <laughs> the reaction is so over the top to what they're doing. It's it's really obnoxious. Oh, man. It's really true. I also had an experience like that when I saw Hamilton, um, where <laughs> I'm also not familiar, I think, with a lot of, like, uh, musical, uh, like, Broadway tropes. But the first number of Hamilton is a big introduction of Hamilton, and then he walks out at the end and says, like, Alexander Hamilton. And I felt like the audience went nuts in a way where I was like, we haven't even, he's literally, this is the first words he's speaking. And it was like a standing ovation. And it really did sort of turn me off. In the middle wow, of the song, It's like in a movie too. when they say yeah. the title of the movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also, like, yeah! <laughs> it's also just very, like, Urkel, Fonzie. Yes. Uh, uh, it's very you know, 90s know, too. Yeah. I bet that informs a lot of the reaction here. Like, you know, you hear it more on what, 90s, 90s SNL probably than now SNL, right? People don't give you know applause breaks to. Uh, I'm trying to think of a current SNL recurring character. Uh, I don't do yeah. that as much. I don't now. know the the guy that Pete Davidson plays Chad. It's like if Chad shows up, they don't stop and applaud, right? I mean, they just do the sketch. I don't know. I think you probably get a lot of hooting and hollering. Maybe if Chad do. shows up. Maybe you do. Maybe but you but do. I, I think it's very nineties. I think it's like very seventies and eighties too. You know, it's 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 just, it's very sitcommy. In, well, I in think it's mind. also something that's encouraged by the laugh track because a lot of those like eighties, mm-hmm. even seventies, you know, sitcoms have a laugh track even if they're filmed in front of a live studio audience. We've had this debate with Dave Blokend of the like the audio is canned. I personally don't think it is mostly because there are some no. even in this episode there's like a scene that totally flops and I think if they were going to be adding in laughter they would have. But it's like well, a let's... thing that they would like add in like a like the hot character would come in and they'd be like Woo! <laughs> I don't know how real it was, but we just I mean it even it. happened with like Kramer you know, like oh, yeah. Kramer walked in. They, they, I remember like reading that Larry David had to tell audience, like the audiences, to stop applauding when Kramer <laughs> comes in because he just didn't like the way it was, it was, it was working. Uh, but let's watch. Let me see if I. I think I queued it up to the introduction of Cabbage Head in this sketch. So let's watch a little bit from uh, Cabbage Head: Colon Old Friends. Calling me a man eater. Oh, a man eater. I don't believe. Could see the book it. in well, the background. It's his own fault for being so edible. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, these uh, french fries were sent to you by the gentleman over there. 
Oh, no, 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 not, not him. The other one. The one with, I think it's a uh, cabbage for a head. Oh. Uh, he said there were no strings attached. No, Ricky, could you please take them back? Yeah. We really don't want he them. He also said that if you sent them back, you could have the cash equivalent. Just leave. I thought that was pretty... <laughs> that was, I was a funny line. That was a funny line. A, even like just that. sending french fries, a plate of french fries over is pretty funny. I would be thrilled if someone sent me an app. <laughs> <laughs> and why Why in that reveal do they pan to a normal person and say, no, not him, yes. him. I think it's just like it's an like, extra joke they threw in. But it, what, is that a joke? <laughs> <laughs> Born into a normal man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's so normal looking. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird to me. I guess the joke is that they would be happy, but no, he is just so normal against like. And he's with he's a woman. Like, a like it's not like they're like. I don't know. Yeah. I don't he's know. no Fabio. He's no. He's, he's no. He's no Nelson. Nelson. No, he's no two it, Fabios being carried by a bigger Fabio. <laughs> you know, in some ways, it's sort of nice. It's sort of like a real life misunderstanding. There really isn't anything humorous about it. Right. It's a slice it's an of understated life. slice of life, right? I thought it yeah. was funny because they're all. I don't know. <laughs> I know it made me laugh. I thought this whole thing, like, even though Cabbage Head is so fucking annoying, it had all these really weird details that surprisingly did make me laugh. Like, suddenly Cabbage Head is a feminist for some reason. Well, only to, like, seduce these women. Well, I know. I I understand. He hasn't fooled me. I understand. (laughs) Okay, good, good. (laughs) Thought you were about to write a thesis, a women's studies thesis on Cabbage Head. (laughs) I thought you were about to go on a date with Cabbage Head. <laughs> well, if he said over fries, maybe I would. I don't know. Or the cash equivalent. Yeah, two fifty. Like how much is a plate of fries? <laughs> I mean, um, Alex, what would you say the game of the sketch is? Oh, I mean, the game is just Cabbage Head. <laughs> it's just like a real, to me, a real character game. He sort of was like a little bit. I don't want to say all over the place, but I. I I'll, I'll say, dude, I didn't like this, and I didn't like him, and I, I didn't find him tearing. But I, I may, I agree with you. There were a lot of like little things throughout that sort of made me laugh. But he really mm. turned me off. But I guess I think that's like, I think yeah. that's the reaction you're supposed to have to Cabochet. He's not supposed to be endearing. He's supposed to be a jerk. But it is like his character game is he uh, manipulates people like using. By by trying to gain people's pity because he has a cabbage for a head, it's not an endearing character. But it's also I totally understand why you don't like the sketch because most people don't. I think. <laughs> now, were, the, he... were there any little things you? What were the little things that made you laugh? I did laugh at the idea of returning fries for a cash equivalent. <laughs> um, and also, I just overall thought it was sort of an interesting idea. Yeah, just right. the cabbage, the idea of a cabbage head, or the idea of or gifting fries? someone the, food and then having that person return it for cash. Yes, letting someone return food or drink for cash um, <laughs> in a restaurant. I was just sort of like, I started going through my head a little bit, like, could that be a possibility ever? Um, but I don't think so. I don't think it's. I, I ultimately settled on no. A restaurant would not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I um, also thought. The, oh yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I, I thought it was just interesting. There was like such a big audience reaction to when the one character said she is a lesbian. Which That's yeah. because was, it's Scott Thompson, I think who's a gay, gay man. Right. And I okay. think they were like, Whoa. Interesting. I also just think 1990, it was 
more exciting the idea of uh of the word lesbian talking talk just or just talking about homosexuality right especially right. In, a, in a comedy show a sketch yeah. comedy show i like this line where it says a guy has a british accent and you're wet <laughs> that's so gross so, so just ridiculous i think he said, I think he said like, like wet i think he said wet as a lake or something yes he did yeah, as a lake as a lake <laughs> i don't know it's like it's so weird it's it it Towards the end of the sketch, it did achieve this thing where it just got so kind of distasteful and just repugnant and just just bad, basically, that it almost crossed over. Like it almost, and then Cabbage Head is, to me, is such a hated character that it does have the ability to do this sometimes, where he just digs, <laughs> McCullough just unapologetically <laughs> keeps hammering this this weird angle that he has on this character so hard. That I kind of come back around and almost like it, but it's. I, still, I, I, I like. I like this sketch. I like this is this cabbage the, head was probably favorite the, of the best. Heads. Was, agreed, agreed, oh. and I just feel like at this point, you know, I gotta kind of just accept it. I can't keep getting so worked up about cabbage head. I mean, it's. I should <laughs> He's just like ex- giving you an. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, man, <laughs> like waking up at night. <laughs> Seriously, like, like how could I let cabbage head affect? It's a sketch, you know. It happened 30 years ago now, and I just gotta let it go. So. Uh, <laughs> Look, it's bad, but, the, you know. The mm-hmm. end, he... when they're, like, talking about Cabbage Head's penis, it's, like, so gross, but it really <laughs> made me laugh when he was like, honesty is important. <laughs> I don't know. Right. <laughs> but I also don't really believe he would ever engage in cunnilingus. He just doesn't seem <laughs> like that type to me. No. <laughs> well, what were you going to say, Alex? <laughs> is he always hitting on women? Yeah, yes, that's, that's his thing. So okay. the game, I think, is supposed to... The reason I asked uh, is because I feel like it's so hard to pick up on. But I think the game's supposed to be that he is a basically pity seeker because of the cabbage on his head. And he's using the, the, that cabbage for that as, as a device to hit on women and make them feel really bad for him. Therefore, they should be having sex with him. He expects them to do it out of pity. Um, I would, is, the other... The, the line I wrote mm-hmm. down that kind of echoes... Or kind of uses that game is when he, he says, oh, I just remembered when I was a kid, I ordered some sea monkeys to love me and they never arrived. And then Kevin says, yeah, and? And he says, therefore I had a bad childhood, comprendez-vous? I don't know. Comprendez-vous. There's one point, I, I think, like, I think yeah. they ask him, what have you got? And he goes, er, uh, I've got a minivan. <laughs> Very odd. He, he, his performance is very odd. Yes. Like, he's so kind of uncommitted on purpose in this character, which I think is another reason that makes me angry. That's yeah. true, yeah. That was kind of the, the yes. thing we kind of thought the first time we saw it. It's like it's almost like kind of making fun of the idea of a recurring character. <laughs> right. Mm, that would be interesting. Um, also, let me ask you guys a really quick question. Who would you rather go on a road trip with uh, between Cabbage Head and the two cops from the first scene, if you assume that they're sort of playing with their guns the whole time. I like this. You're, you're, you're two kids in the hall reference points. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, I, not, I not cops, Cabbage Head cop- is, is always my answer. Not Cabbage Head. The so cops seem fun. The cops. <laughs> but you're, you're, you're worried that maybe they're going to blow my head off? Yes. Accidentally? Yeah. Okay. yeah. And we're going all the way across the country? Yeah, let's say it's like uh, all the way across. What what? Are we what sharing that a matter, hotel room? <laughs> no, no, you're, you're not sharing a room, so you're safe from cabbage at night. 
Oh, okay, then I guess cabbage head. <laughs> <laughs> if the sun's up, cabbage head. <laughs> yeah, at, at night, no. <laughs> no. No speeding tickets, safe, though. Safe, safe, please. If you get the cops, no speeding tickets. That's All right, let's watch a little bit for... Um, Maybe just oh, don't th- speed, Nick. And then you won't get a speeding ticket. <laughs> Damn. Let's watch a little bit from Not Working Out. This is... So this is like a... There, th- It's like a three-part runner, but none of the runners really had the same game. Did you guys think about well, that? Well, uh, I, I have opinions I on this it. runner. Are we going to talk about them all in order? Okay, yeah. Let's watch Let's watch a little bit from this first one real quick. Be good. Uh, take care of the kids. Hey. Hold on. You wanted to see me, sir? Chris, Chris, buddy. I'm on the phone, okay? Have a seat. Okay. Yeah, you still there? Yeah, well, uh, I'm just about to fire Chris. About 20 minutes, unless he cries. And no, I don't think he'd want to come over for dinner. Well, would you? Okay, 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 okay. I'll ask him. Uh, Chris, do you want to come for dinner? I guess not, sir. Nope. Uh, yeah. Well, so, Amay, what did you... How, how did you want to handle these? Well, it I'm seems like you have, you have thoughts. thoughts about the second and the third one but so basically like this sketch this guy is getting fired and it seems like the man who's firing him is trying to avoid paying severance essentially (laughs) he's trying to get the guy to say that he quits or he's leaving on uh, you know of his own accord so that was definitely yeah that was like in the first one but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. totally different in the second third ones right well it's just this guy who keeps getting fired right but in different ways a different game for how he's being fired in each one but I thought yeah, in the yeah. second one, it was like the audience totally didn't respond. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but there was just yes. like barely any laughter. I um, thought the game, if you had to put a label on it, would be, you know, fired before the job even starts or fired early. Well, in, on, I the that, one, oh, on the second one, on the second one, on the first one. Yeah, well, and, and the third one. But I think the first, in a way, it feels like it's out of nowhere or it's, you know, maybe it's not his first day on the job or anything, but it's like... It seems totally unexpected and totally early, and that is a common thread if you're going to keep it general, I think, throughout all three parts, right? It's like he is well, kind of shocked at the circumstances of the how he's being fired. I mean, at the, I mean, I mean, I'm doing my best. I hear you. It is a little different from sketch to sketch, but I think that's true of all the pieces. Yeah. I didn't pick that up on the first one. That, that it was before, like, it was really, really that he calls what, him what, in. What, I'm about to fire, you know, I'm about to fire Chris or whatever the guy's name is. I mean, I feel like I mean, he could he could have been working there for 10 years. I mean, clearly his wife knows him. She <laughs> invites him over for dinner. But it's, Alex, what, right. What, what, right. What were you going to say? I cut you off, I think. No, no, no. I think um, something Jared, you were saying, I do agree with. I feel like he has good, um, almost like emotional continuity between all three. Mm. But I agree. I agree. Otherwise, it feels like different circumstances. It, but it's, I think the through line is he's just very confused about the circumstances. <laughs> right. Surprising firings, I guess. Yes. Well, let's watch a little from the second one and see if there is truly no reaction. Uh, I just want you to know it's a real team here and it's not working out. <laughs> what? You see, Bellamy, you're just not doing well enough. <laughs> But I, I've only been here five minutes. Oh, my hands are tied, though, Bellamy. I'm sorry. Oh, I almost forgot. Here's your security pass, which you'll have to return to me immediately. Thanks. Yeah, that security pass line got no reaction. <laughs> yeah, there's just like one guy, Bobby, in the audience, like. Eh. At one point, there was a genuine like, oh, 
like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for McCullough's character. Like, do they know? No one's getting fired. It's it's just a joke. Um, the one guy yeah. who reacted to the security pass line, it honestly seemed like a fake Sarcastic, laugh, right? Yeah. yeah, it was a pity <laughs> laugh. Yeah. And the ending, uh, I think it yeah, may what be... what was it, going on in the yes, end of this guy? The I'm ending like, are they going to fuck? Like, it was what like, is... yes, what was that about? <laughs> can we, <laughs> oh, can we right. go to that, Nick? Because that was maybe the most confusing part of a confusing episode. I forgot about that, yes. It seemed like it just attacked on things. So this is the ending of the second beat. Uh, Kev, uh, Mark McKinney and Kevin McDonald's characters uh, remain in the office after... It's Bruce's almost all visual, so I don't know how much left. you're going to get from this, but let's roll it. Yes. <laughs> She's like about to get assaulted. Is that <laughs> yeah. like, That's yeah! the only thing I could come up with. Like they're about to fuck. Yeah, no, I think that's implied. Yeah. Yes, uh, for sure. So odd. Maybe, I, mean, I mean, it had yeah, nothing I mean, to do with the sketch or anything. It just felt like. What's the funniest thing yeah. we can do right now? I guess <laughs> leer at someone intimidatingly. <laughs> it was probably odd. like these two characters that didn't have a funny line saying, what can I do so that I feel like I deserve to be on stage or, you know, <laughs> yeah. basically yeah, it's like trying to still focus. Yeah. yeah, there's something funny, though, because it also could have just been like a line where as soon as he walks out the door, one of them says to the other, like, should we fuck now? But instead, <laughs> right. they they, yeah. they do it visually, where they like let some more time pass and close the door and start like doing the files. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, just uh, just building on this, what we're talking about of the weird reactions. I mean, I thought it was very odd to have, um, you know, the tele. She, he's explaining the, you know, here's your telephone or whatever. He says, telephone there, incoming, outcoming calls, up to you. <laughs> that made me kind of laugh a little that bit. That was good. I, and, I thought that and, was very, I thought the whole I thought the whole lead up to him getting fired was very funny. I actually then, thought this whole second beat was pretty funny. But the line right after that, he says tape sticky on one side, not on the yes, other. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that got a big laugh. And I didn't think that was funny. So it was like Oh, very I thought it was funny. I wrote that one down. <laughs> well, it was just odd to me what the audience was choosing to react to in the runner. It just felt like they couldn't latch on to anything and they didn't know what was happening and they were either not laughing or like laughing in the wrong spots. I don't think we even need to talk about the second beat. It was a police lineup, but it didn't make a lot of sense. The, the oh, third that one beat, actually made was. me laugh because I was surprised by it. That's the third beat. I <laughs> yeah, laughed. that was my favorite part, actually. That was my favorite one really? because okay. he keeps getting like fired in these weird circumstances but that one it's like it was a visual joke because you cut to it and it's like i don't know it's just much faster it's not like it felt like a true like just a callback like almost in an improv show like a third beat that kind of third beat right like it didn't feel like there was any setup and i thought that was what made it refreshing sorry nick it's definitely random like a callback anyway sorry go ahead me i will i was just gonna say i mean if you guys have no more thoughts on the fired scenes we'll talk about uh the next sketch which is oh called God. the loner this is like a weird gross out <laughs> sketch with mark mckinney doing a monologue about his horribly bruised toe and foot and leg uh let's play it watch a little bit when i got home that night i noticed that the toe had all like uh, swollen up and uh, it seemed sort of bent to one side and you could tell there's like a little bit of pus in there <laughs> I have friends, eh, but I don't. 
they would have said something like, uh, hey, George, you should go to a hospital and see a doctor. That looks pretty serious. Uh, but I don't have any friends. And um, as it is, <laughs> I'm fascinated by the process here. Yeah, this is mm. just a kind of a gross character talking about yeah. his gross toe. Odd length of a sketch. I mean, I, yes. I like the look of the toe. I feel like whoever was responsible for putting that toe together did a really bang-up job, but uh, it's a weird one. And I guess the game is a sad... I wrote down sad, lonely man who doesn't mind pain. I mean, I think the game is just look at my gross toe and look li- at my gross to my toe. Weird voice. Well, I like what the corollary think, between like the fact that it was him being... You know the pain of being alone and the pain of the toe. Maybe I'm oh, giving you too very, much credit. Oh, that's interesting. That's very literary. I yeah, know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm a literary guy. You know me. <laughs> yeah, I think I cited more with just yeah, funny voice and a uh, toe. As funny like, voice, toe. That's a, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I always. I, I, this is maybe giving it a lot of credit, but I was like, it's more like they were like, what if a person had no friends? If that, then what? <laughs> Then if they stub their toe, they'd eventually get gangrene and have to get their leg cut off because no one would tell them to take care of themselves. But it's just like very sad. Which is yeah. just a hilarious thing to think about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also when yeah. they pull back and you can sort of see the scenery of this guy's home, it's like really sad and decrepit. <laughs> Oh really? I, I don't think I noticed that. Oh and wait, you see that frame? That was the like, other thing. This interesting. I know. I was gonna. I, I was wondering whether yeah. or not to bring that up, but I noticed oh, okay. as well. You're talking about the the man in the towel. Yeah. Yes, the most interesting one. Yes. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> hell is happening in this interstitial? That that is that is Scott Thompson's friend Paul Bellini, who uh, actually joined the writing staff in this season. Oh, oh so is this like the writers' room where they're pillow fighting and have no clothes on? <laughs> it might Maybe. be. Paul Bellini is like known for wearing a towel. I, I, this is maybe the first time <laughs> wow. we've seen him wear a towel. So this is his first. This was his first job writing. Uh, his first like job in comedy really was writing for season two of, of uh, Kids and All. Before that, he wasn't a comedian at all. He was in uh, the punk band that we listened to. Do you remember uh, Scott Scott Thompson's punk band? It was him and Paul Bellini was the band. It was called Mouth Congress, and it was just kind of like a post punk uh, weird band around Toronto. And he was. In the first season, he was kind of Scott Thompson's assistant and like basically the guy that made sure Scott Thompson showed up to stuff on time. And then he got him a job. So this season was the first time that they brought any anybody else to write for the Kids and All. Norm Hiscock, Brian Hart, and Paul Bellini were the three. Norm Hiscock eventually became like a writer for Kid, for uh, King of the Hill and like a bunch yeah, of yeah, that name of, sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of like sitcoms in the. He probably is still writing sitcoms. I think he also wrote for The Office. Uh, but yeah, Paul Bellini. Uh, mainly, I think, is known as, as a writer for Kids in the Hall, and he still works with them today. Uh, yeah. And eventually we'll come to uh, the thing I most remember him for was there was a a, a a sketch they did where it was like a touch Paul Bellini contest where you sent in postcards uh, and ex- like I think you explained why you wanted to be able to touch Paul Bellini and you chose one fan <laughs> that they flew, they flew them out to Toronto and they got to touch Paul Bellini. And wow. it was just, he's always, he's always wearing Whoa. a towel. Anyway, that, I didn't think we were going to, I, I didn't prepare a Paul Bellini discussion, but that's. No. That was yeah, a lot of info to not have prepared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the ready, it seemed. Uh, let's watch a little bit from uh, 
this is the sketch is called Simon and Hecubus, but it's and these are also recurring characters. This is the first time we've seen them, uh, but they'll be coming back later. Uh, and this is, yeah, Simon and Hecubus. The sh their show is the Pit of Ultimate Darkness. This is this. So this is kind of like an SNL recurring sketch to me because it's it's two characters right, doing show. this weird TV show. Yeah, right. That would never yes. exist in reality. Uh, but yeah, let's watch a little bit from it. Good evening, Hecubus. Are you ready? I am ready to serve you, Master. And Satan. <laughs> Good. Then let the proof of evil begin. Hecubus, pick a card. Pick any card. No. Pardon? No. Evil! Evil! <laughs> Impolite and evil! Uh... Yeah, this is, and that's basically what all their sketches are like. They do something that's not really evil, and then say it's evil, uh, or that's very lightly I, bad, yes. or so. Yeah, very yeah, right. realistically evil. Right, right, yeah. annoying. Right. Yes. Yeah. I kind of thought it was a stupid game that I didn't particularly enjoy, but I like both of their performances, and I especially liked in the beginning when Kevin was sort of introducing himself. One thing is that he says good evening, and I just was like, it's funny how all creeps say good evening <laughs> on TV. And then there's like a moment where he's like looking into the camera, and it's like kind yes. of a close up. And I feel like he's really, you know, selling that little performance moment. They don't get to do that a lot with sketch. It's always sort of a, a broad. Uh, I did angle. love that. That look yeah. into the face of evil, and then he's just kind of like. Uh, clearly yes being that was my favorite moment that very funny expression expression of this is the face of evil and it's just him kind of yeah sitting sitting there looking around very funny um i also had a good laugh at the beginning because he says welcome to the pit and then has like a big pause before he says of ultimate darkness and i just liked imagining that he was introducing the pit theater <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, the Pit Theater no longer around, right? Doesn't exist anymore. You know, I think yeah, the I loft so. is around. Is if for all our listeners who <laughs> know what that means, <laughs> um, I right? Am I wrong? Do you, any of you guys know? Wow, I don't right. know. Hmm. I don't know. But how uh, funny if it survived over the Pit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. To have your uh, sister theater uh, survive over your main theater would be yeah. something else. Um, so the, I like the I blackout like the, in this. Go ahead, Amay. Sorry, you like the what? Oh, I was just going to talk about a bunch of different theater stages that are no longer relevant to our lives in any way. So I'll just <laughs> skip it. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's I'm I am curious to hear about that later. Um, the blackout <laughs> later, Amay. Later. You. No, actually, right now, if you want, please interrupt me okay. at any time. Uh, the blackout. Um, you know. It, I thought was really well executed. I thought, you know, where he kind of like was really got into it and then like dropped it completely. And I think he said something like, you know, if you haven't already, call your mom, <laughs> call your mom tonight. I thought that was a fun kind of goodbye message. And uh, what I didn't like, though, was I guess what was the blackout was this unnecessary tag with McKinney at the end, like watching Golden Girls dressed up as the devil. Yeah, <laughs> that seemed that just seemed but not. Yeah, you know, I would have seen he that was, character before, Jared. You know that, right? 
Oh. No. Oh, yeah. you mean when he's battling yeah. McCullough and the guitar thing? Is, yeah. Is that, yes. Oh, interesting. But that doesn't I, make well, it. Well, so he's, good. He's, not, well, he's not watching Golden Girls. He's watching this show. He's watching he, The Pit of Ultimate Darkness. Uh, and he's saying, oh, finally a show for me. Uh, you're yeah, right. I, mean, I, it, it didn't, I, it didn't, I should have sold it better, but I it didn't, didn't like it. Like, I didn't why. mind it. I, I was actually mm. listening to the commentary track for this sketch, and they were saying that they, whenever they had McKinney wear this devil costume, which he's, he does it more later, uh, they always like to film extra stuff because it take, just takes them so long to to get all this makeup on. They're like, well, we should that was, use it yeah. some more. It, that, that's that, my main thought. I couldn't believe how short it was. And I really <laughs> had that thought of like how much work they did to get him to look like that. No, yes, I, this might have been for, well, no, it wouldn't have been for that scene you were talking about, Jared, because I, I think that was in the first season, but it was, it must have been for some season scene that, that's coming up in, in season two. I mean, it, it makes sense, movies. right? I mean, it, 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 may, it makes sense that just because it took a while to get the costume on, they came up with this bit. That's what it felt like. Yeah. But yeah. I do, like, how did they plan it? I guess they must have had... I don't know. Like, did they just look at him in the costume and say, "Where else can we stick Satan in?" <laughs> the story? Well, they probably they looked up at their index cards and went, tag. "Like, yeah, we could put you here, here, here. Just say you're watching this, and then, yeah." Anyway, yeah, this probably. is our podcast oh. tribute to Betty White. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, let's watch a little bit from this last sketch called "Girls of Summer," a Buddy Cole sketch about uh buddy cole coaching a softball league it had attitude i was thinking of something else <laughs> jared is this a parody of the natural uh, sort of. I mean, I think the song is playing off of that. It's the same, like, da na 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 But it's a little, you know, different for trademark reasons. I mean, I was thinking League of Their Own, if you're going to pick a movie. Mm. Well, this because... was bef- two years before League of Their Own. Oh, well, there you go. Whoa. So maybe inspiration for that. A little foreshadowing, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it... Uh, Alex, if you recognize any character from Kids in the Hall, it would probably be Buddy Cole, who is the 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 Scott Thompson character in this sketch. But uh, no, and I didn't. <laughs> but I, I did at one point. I did have to, like, uh, a minute or so into this sketch, I looked up Scott Thompson to see if he was gay, um, <laughs> because I was starting to feel like I was feeling offended. Um, if he wasn't, <laughs> and I, it, it really let me enjoy the sketch knowing that he was. Yeah, no, that would this would have been way. <laughs> this would have been. Very that is an important question okay. to ask before watching this sketch. Yes, because I, I feel like overall they also just play like a lot of women. So I yes. wasn't putting it past them for him to not be gay. You should honestly yes. not put anything past them because <laughs> this is a very mild episode, but. Uh, Buddy Cole, I think, yeah, it would definitely be offensive if you weren't actually gay. But I also don't think he would write this sketch, you know? It's, like, very specific in a way that I think someone just making fun of gay people from outside that community wouldn't come up with um, totally yeah. throughout. It would be, like, much more, like, homosexual panic rather than the celebration of the outfit and his abilities <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, uh, May, I, you're probably... 
I, I feel like you're generally a really big Buddy Cole fan. What did you think of this one? That I'm not, or I am? No, that you are. You are. Oh, I like Buddy Cole. Um, I don't know. I thought it was like less interesting in a way to see him out in the world. We usually get yeah. like a monologue of him telling a story, and I enjoy that format a lot. Um, yeah, this one didn't really do it for me. I liked the Gatorade martini bit. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> I definitely think that his outfit is very funny. Um, so there's like some fun props and accessories, but I don't know. I, it didn't. It didn't really necessarily do that much for me to see him in the field. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I kind of felt the same yeah. way. Yeah. Alex, did you? I think I feel like this could be like a little short film. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I think they switch locations and stuff. Uh, it felt sort of funny to me in that way. It felt like it was the longest sketch to end on, which I guess is the way you want to do it, but. Yeah, they do that of, a lot. Yeah. Often it feels like there's like a little short film tacked on to the end of an episode <laughs> of regular sketch comedy. Yeah, they, they do they do a lot of film pieces and a lot of them but just kind of feel not so much like a sketch and more like, yeah, like a, a short film. They they uh there's something in the biography about how uh so uh, Kevin, they were talking about the 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 sketch and Kevin McDonald said I didn't think the sketch would work at all. All through the shoot, I was just terrible to Scott, telling him how horrible I thought the sketch was. Oh my god! <laughs> to make Jeez. matters worse, when the director of the piece, Stephen uh, Sergic, showed the uh, showed us the final cut, none of us laughed. Uh, but then, when it was screened for the studio audience, the next live taping, it killed. Had more laughs than he other filming presented that night. And uh, McDonald came to realization he'd been wrong about Thompson's range and writing abilities. Oh wow! Uh, so it was a turning Damn. point, I guess. Can you wow. imagine, like, being on a team with somebody who was that down on you? I know. <laughs> to, to the point where it's, like, it's clearly, objectively, pretty good. Like, it's not... To, to, to hate this, I mean, in an episode with Cabbage Head, it's like, <laughs> man, what are what are you watching kind of thing? I, I, I thought this was clearly, you know, if not, like, you know, one of my favorite kids in the hall sketches, just a really well-executed sketch. Like, I love all what? the baseball and cold crossover oh, beats, like the you're martini. you guy. I'm a baseball guy. I'm a baseball nut, as you know. And I feel like um, I like the, this ball's been around more than I have. That made me laugh. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. There was... Jared, as, as a baseball guy, I'm not familiar, or I have a question for you as a baseball guy. Mm-hmm. I wasn't familiar with the phrase, pitcher's got a rubber wrist, but it really <laughs> gave me a laugh. I like that. Well, I think, I think that is a made-up joke. Thing for this as maybe it's usually rubber arm but i think thompson said rubber wrist because of like you know that right that, that cliche okay. kind of move with the hand yes. that would represent that you're gay but i think that was a joke so it's not yeah <laughs> rubber wrist isn't something that's said because <laughs> it, you know, it did make sense to me still rubber arm i think you, you, it, okay. that, that that's something that's something um, you know what's funny? But just we another example about... of how they made they made they turned a lot of baseball things into really funny jokes. Like I love the clip you played, Nick, of the like why he's taking each pitch. <laughs> he had a problem with yeah. each one or whatever. Yeah, I thought that was really good. We were Mc... talking about how. What did you say it was McDonald who shit on the sketch? Yeah, McCullough. McDonald. McDonald. Oh, I'm disappointed in him. Okay. <laughs> well, he seems like the least 
the most insecure of them all. So it, it doesn't. It, but it's funny. But, I, I I did like his his line in this where he comes up playing that kind of like cliche trope character or whatever. Like he's not going to do well, <laughs> and he's walking to the plate. And he says, oh, "It's time for me to strike out and lose the game for everyone." <laughs> it made me laugh. I don't know. And you know what's uh, so quite what we were talking about how they were shitting on the sketch, and I was watching the commentary track for this, and they were all shitting on the sketch as they were watching it. <laughs> what like the they, hell? They they all still hate it. <laughs> uh, Dave, Dave Foley was saying uh, this sketch it's a bit Fonzie, isn't it? Uh, because apparently, like he was saying, it was like a like like a Fonzie, like Happy Days, I guess. But he says a bit Fonzie. Which in the sense funny. that it's like a canned old sitcom-y type of vibe? That's, what does that mean? In the Fonzie? sense that, like, I think he was talking about how, like, you, you know, like the moments where Scott just steps behind this changing screen and automatically, and then just <laughs> Oh, I see. Like, this kind of, like, magical shit, like the same way, like, Fonz could, like, snap right. his fingers and, and make shit happen. Uh, so he was—he thought it was like kind of corny, like a sitcom. But I—but I think it's clearly like kind of making fun of that corny, like corniness. Well, I it's think not... also that Buddy Cole is one of the few recurring characters or any character who people like like. You know what I mean? Like people will maybe cheer yeah. for Cabbage Head, but they don't like him as a person. I feel like there's a sincere affection for Buddy Cole, and he is in this sketch, sort of like the Mary Sue. Of just like being good at everything, <laughs> making everything work, and being the greatest and the best. Maybe they're yeah, like maybe. a little resentful of characters like that, or yeah. dumb. They don't really get to yeah, play. Yeah, I them. think you're dead on because he makes you smile. Just look the, the 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 uniform that he had was just great. I mean, like I was smile if not laughing at each joke, certainly smiling through the whole thing. And I think you're right, Amay. They must be jealous or something, or it, maybe they're jealous too because it's such a sometimes a low effort. Uh, you know character and, and i guess i mean that in a compliment and that like cole doesn't have to do a lot to succeed i feel like well, sometimes in those monologues I, I, he writes a lot of great jokes but in a yeah i think like that's the thing it's very well written yeah i don't know that they would sh- i don't know that they would sh- I, I mean his monologues are very well written i don't know that they would shit on his monologues i i think maybe they just like their sense of humor doesn't align with 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 this kind of thing even though like it's not that different for most kids in all scenes no i found it very yeah. refreshing i mean i thought it was great the sketch yeah i did too i liked it i we should i feel like we're we're running long i oh, alex I'm do you have to sure. be anywhere or anything are you are you or amay or jared no no wow. I think we watched all i'm the, the, I'm the last one we? you thought would have would have something to do something to say <laughs> Um, yeah, well, but we have to like if we we have we have a big segment, the sketch of the app, but then we also just like to ask Alex, like, uh, what did you think of the show? Did you, is there anything you take from it or, or anything like that? I don't know. Maybe you're always, be- you're always better at asking in general. These. Yes. I always just like curious, like, even if you aren't like, oh, I liked it, this blah blah blah. blah what did it make you think about the state of comedy in general, or like, if you see anything now that uh, is obviously built off of this, whatever comes to mind. Yeah, it's really interesting. It, it gave me a few thoughts. Um, I think the biggest one that I had watching this was just the feeling of like how nice it must be to be a group of friends who are given a show. Um, <laughs> I didn't personally respond to very much in this episode. Um, and I know too, a lot of that is probably just like times have changed. And I'm curious like how I would have felt if I was watching it closer to when it was live. Um, but overall, I'm not sure, oh, I mean, this, this sounds like weird to say because I'm not like as accomplished, obviously, as anyone in the show, but I really did have the thought watching it that I was like, 
I think a lot of groups could probably do a show like this <laughs> in almost an inspiring way, more than, I guess, a negative way. But I was like, I'm not sure I necessarily watch this and see from them like, oh my gosh, these are like great comedic minds. Um, <laughs> I, I love that. This isn't real. a critique, but when I, mean, I watch you, I think anyone <laughs> could do that. I mean, I don't really know what their trajectory was. I think it sounds like they put up a lot of comedy and they worked really hard leading up into the show, though they're all relatively young. So I don't know. I guess it's like on a cosmic scale. Maybe they didn't work that long that hard. <laughs> but, uh, but I do think that there's a truth to the idea that if you are given the resources and you're capable of doing the work, you could probably make a show that would be for somebody and would be like hilarious for them and they would enjoy it. Um and I definitely think, like, watching this, like, this is their sensibility. It's really hit or miss. And, yeah, yeah. maybe it is just time. But I think, yeah, like, the four of us could do a show. And it would be, hey. like, just in quality. Are, are, with are you pitching Lord it Michaels. right now? If you want to produce Lord Michaels. No, I just think it's true that, like, if you ha- – obviously not everyone's capable of doing the work, sure. But I think most people trained to do comedy probably could produce something like this. But I do think there is also, like, a certain – uh, like they have, they have more charisma than I do. <laughs> I guess what I would say, <laughs> especially like Dave and Scott, uh, just seem like uh, natural performers that uh, people want to like. You know. Well, you could be uh, like the Bellamy in the background who just walks around in a towel and. Uh, yeah, you could be our towel guy. Yeah. Yeah, Bellini. Okay, I'll be Bellini. Bellini. Sure. Bellini. <laughs> um. Well. Uh, uh, Jared, do you want to sing that song you like to sing about Sketch of, sketch of the Ep? I love to sing it. Yes, thank you for cueing me. <clears throat> sketch of the Ep, it's the Sketch of the Ep. Come on down, it's the Sketch of the Ep. Guys, what's your Sketch of the Ep? Hmm. That's I know. <laughs> I know, it's not I... an easy one today, but uh, I, I think I like... Um, I think I like the sketch we just watched. I think I like Buddy Call Softball. I mean, that... Uh, it was just really well done production-wise, and I feel like the more we go on, the more we see really well-produced film sketches from them, which is always fun for me. Um, just a lot of good jokes, and this character is great. And out of you know all the recurring characters that show up uh, in this episode, whether it's their first time or not, I think it was Cole clearly kind of taking my the, the, the best sketch and best recurring character for me in this episode. I'm going to say The Trappers. Uh, the, the trappers hmm. yeah i just, i think that's really funny and silly um and i and uh, yeah I, I kind of agree with what Amay was saying that i think buddy cole works better as a monolo- as a monologue than as a as a film hmm, that's fair hmm. Amay, Alex, what what's you your fave oh, i can else? go um mine i think was the third beat of the fired guy just because you know, <laughs> like, the, the 10 seconds thing. that <laughs> yeah. 10 seconds is your favorite <laughs> It just it got me because I was surprised by it. So I appreciate it was that. a good setup of like definitely number two. Are you sure? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then You're the fine. cut right there. It was great. It was great. Well, this is a tough choice for me, but I think I'm going to go Buddy Cole also. Yeah. And it's almost like just a um, gosh, I don't know what's the phrase I'm looking for here, but it, it's just the one that's like left over that I feel like I didn't right. have a problem. <laughs> Best of the worst. (laughs) Yes, the best of the worst. 
<laughs> wow, it sounds like you're not gonna keep continue watching Kids in the Hall. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't be the first guest. I mean, you know, we we love this having because I feel like we've seen a wide range of reactions to the show, everywhere from super fan to you. <laughs> no, no, I no. feel like we've had many guests who don't like it. Yeah, some yeah. much more than you. Yeah, Even, I we've think had so. Yeah, I want to get, like, a good episode, though. Because it seems like you're all agreeing this maybe isn't the strongest. Yeah, yeah but I didn't yeah. think it was bad. I thought it was, like, okay. we've had some sketch episodes where I didn't think any of the sketches were very good. It felt right down the middle. Think it any, felt like yeah. an average episode. Okay. I thought all these were I, okay. Like, there were, there were none that I thought were yes. just terrible. So, if yeah. You probably don't like Kids in the Hall. You know, too, I think <laughs> there's an okay. effect, too. I need to get to know the performers a little bit. Um, in this context, that helps. That helps. That is yeah, something that know, they that is something yeah. that they do on the show a lot. Is they and we didn't see that in this in this episode where they address the audience as themselves. Uh, they're like, "Hey, I'm Dave Foley," and blah blah. Right. Blah. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely get to know the performers quite a bit if you if you watch the show. But it might just yeah. not be for you. I think that's fair. That's it's fine. really true. It really could be, but I know you know. I don't think Nick wants you to like it at this point. He's a little, <laughs> a little upset. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. You don't like it. It's fine. It's fine. Maybe just you know you fuck off. Maybe that's what you should do. <laughs> All right. Well, well speaking of uh, fucking on that off, note, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, Alex, I think it's. Thank uh, you so much for joining yes. us. You're um, you're a real friend, and we miss you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I miss you guys too. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Ox. And until next time, keep crushing those heads. <laughs>